to everyone. Back for another edition of the Modern Times Podcast. John Guzan here, and I have Karen Weil on the line. Good morning. Today we're going to start a new feature that we're going to have on our podcast, probably doing it about once a month. Um, we're going to call it the five points. We're going to take a larger issue. Um, and like today, it's going to be immigration, illegal mainly, um, illegal immigration or what's called illegal immigration. Um, and we're going to take five little points out of it and we're going to focus on those for 10 minutes each um, just to kind of give a little greater breath to some of these discussions. Um, Karen and I both, we actually met at a border newspaper, I guess we can call the Sierra Vista Herald a border newspaper, wouldn't you think, Karen? I would completely agree with that. That's Southeast Arizona, Cochise County, right on the border with the state of Sonora in Mexico. And that's about, what? Very important, uh, you know, thoroughfare then. And we, uh, about 30 miles, we would say, from the border? Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, Depends on how you drove there. Arizona, and I'm from Southern Nevada, which is uh, also a state that has become uh, a linchpin in the immigration uh, discussion. So uh, we really hope that this really adds to the to to the to the debate. So hoping that sure. um, you know maybe we can bring out some facts, um, some personal experiences, some other things that we've done, and we'll try to do this to our five points discussions as we move forward. Um, Karen, mm-hmm. let's jump in right with the first one because I'm excited. Are you excited on this new thing? I am very much so. I know it's pretty cool. Oh, all right. Illegal immigrants do pay taxes and are good residents slash citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first little piece of, of, of information maybe that'll help us get started um, is that we have that there was, there's what they call 11, I think 11 million immigrants estimated to be in the U.S. illegally or undocumented in 2013. Yeah. Um, and that they say... Well, that the, the government has said that's the most accurate number. Right, and the um, the most recent information we were able to determine uh, or, get, or 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 grab in front of us for this morning was um, a study from the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Um, they found that immigrants in the U.S. without legal permission contribute nearly twelve billion each year to state and local tax coffers. Um, and that it out and the Pew uh, Research Center said that it exceeds um, the amount of money that people say. You know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, they pay $12 billion, but then they, you know, from state services and welfare and blah, 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 that, um, you know, it's, it's $14 billion or something like that. But supposedly to all uh, studies, they actually pay more in taxes than what they get out from the system. Um, yeah. Karen, you there? Yes, I am. I was going to say, I think more than a few studies, even from think tanks and organizations that we would say in general are not thrilled with illegal immigration, have acknowledged that they are indeed paying into our system and and not, oh, because they are not legal, they can't go apply for uh, TANF or, or some of the other, you know, post-welfare reform programs uh, that those in need use today. Um, and if, if and otherwise, if they're doing that, it is through fraudulent means. Uh, and that, again, that's a, a very long topic that has a, a complicated history in this country as well. Now, we've also talked about one of our points that we were going to make today is some of the um, I think we've kind of set that 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 out um, that supposedly all the studies say that. A lot in taxes, about twelve billion or so, um, put in more than than comes out. Um, but it's also on the people level, and there's some, especially uh, you know maybe Trump supporters and some others, um, you know, don't like uh, um, the uh, what they see as you know f- folks that are more uh, d- loyal to their former countries than than to the United States. And we kind of thought that we would share some of our. Our, our personal stories because growing up in Nevada and Arizona and living um, where we've lived, uh, we've known undocumented uh, people, um, whether we've found out a long time afterwards or not. So maybe, maybe now would be mm-hmm. a good time for some of that. 
Well, I can just say again, like you, having grown up in a southwestern state and, of course, gone to schools, that, public schools that had large Hispanic populations. Uh, now, mind you, I'd say overwhelmingly the children that I went to school with were born here. Their parents came from Mexico, you know, decades ago or came from elsewhere in Latin America, um, some of whom were more recent, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, citizens. But so for me, that, that culture and exposure to it and listening to kids speak Spanish, that was completely normal to me. Um, and of course, you know, as we know, the American Southwest would not be what it is today, and, and that includes California, the state where I live, uh, were it not for the Spanish explorers who came through here some 500 years ago. Um, and of course, that's another long story and the impact that Spain had on the New World. Um, but again, growing up here where the Latin Hispanic culture was, again, very much part of everyday life. Um, and I can just say I have two recent personal stories that I, I think are interesting. Um, recently, I was at a park uh, with my dog, and I talked to a very nice man who was originally from Mexico City. Uh, he arrived here legally, married, had a family, and said he was a Republican, had a more conservative outlook on things. But he has said it is too difficult to try to become a citizen in this country. There are just so many hoops. And so many complications that he said he doesn't blame anyone who does come here illegally and he, he has compassion for them um, I thought that was just a, a very interesting perspective um, on another note when my husband and I were traveling uh, up through California to go to Lake Tahoe we had some car trouble and uh, it was a Sunday and you know this was a small town near Bishop California everything was closed well, just asking around, he met up with a, a young man who is a Mexican national who helped him uh, get our tire fixed. Uh, we came back over to his place to return a, a tool, and, of course, we wanted to pay him, and he didn't even want to take it. And I, I just happened to ask him because I could hear his accent, and, oh, where are you from? And he explained, and he said he'd come here to study. Legally, he was now married to an American, and just said that he wanted to make a life here uh, for himself and his family. And I, I just said, I was so grateful that he'd helped us. I said, you know, we're all glad you're here. Um, so these are just two personal anecdotes that I think, and I think to me, given the kind of the red meat uh, surrounding the immigration issue and, and considering stuff that Donald Trump says, I think for many people, maybe they have this idea that they're opposed to all immigrants, but once you get down to the personal level and you get to know people, they, they somebody like the gentleman who was from Mexico City and had come here legally, or, or someone like the, the person we spoke to who was also here legally, but he had a slightly different trek to get here. It becomes a different story. I think for most people, even people who might claim to have a very conservative outlook on immigration. Once they've gotten to know people and become fond of them, you know, I, I think it definitely can change a person's opinion. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, there was plenty of times growing up where, or when I was in my uh, teens, um, early 20s, where you found out that a friend that you knew and you called him a name, um, like Jose or, or, or even Bill, um, they had a driver's license that, that said something different. And then you know, it's like your first clue because they're not telling you, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to determine because they seem like every other American uh, or Mexican American or Hispanic American or whatever you want to call them. And you're just friends with them. And then, you know, at some point you see a driver's license and you go, why isn't that your name? And then they say something to you, you know, they basically don't even want to say anything. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because you're the American friend, I guess, to a certain level. Um, um, and, and, and so it's, it, it's difficult. I know that um, good families, I think, all. And, I, you know, everybody has, has issues. Um, and, you know, there's, 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 you know, bad people come out of good families no matter what, and especially when you're in situations where 
um, you know, you're living 10 to an apartment because that's what you got, or they don't even know where to move. They want to stay with all their people. It's like, you know, you get the same kind of things like my parents did um, in, you know, Little Italy in New York. Um, when you're an immigrant, you tend to just kind of live where people say, hey, there's a decent place over here, and you go and live there until you know any better um, that you can go somewhere else or do something else. Um, and so it just becomes part of the fabric and the culture, I think, here. And also finding out, you know, one time when I found out that one of my uh, friends that I knew, he only, he didn't have a bank account. He told me one night at like 8 o'clock, he's like, I got to go cash my check. And, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, well, everything's closed. You know, it's like 8 o'clock at night in Phoenix in the in the early 90s. And, and it was a it was a restaurant that uh, just kind of cashed all these people's checks for them. Um you know, and so you start to learn that there's this whole different set of things that go on because people are here right or wrong. Um, but, you know, you're friends yeah. and, and, you know, you're friends with people and you just don't get that. And it's not going to change. It kind of impacted at least my perception of of what, you know, the scourge of immigration, as some people would call it, um, when you're friends with people. And then you find out later that they're just you know, they're still paying their taxes, they're still getting tickets, they're still getting pulled over, you know, and I'd be like, how did you get pulled over like three times and got tickets and no one knew, you know, it's like that, that loss of, of, of people of, you know, that, that, that connection that doesn't exist there. And I understand that why that happens a little bit on conservative angles. I don't think they get it that it's so hard for, you know, police to actually police human beings and whether somebody's here illegally or not. And, and who gets that authority, and who can make those decisions, and where they go. Um, Correct. I, to me, the bottom line is, like, nearly all, everyone, in theory, can agree, coming here illegally, not a good idea. But we've been a superpower, the biggest economy on Earth, a free society where people are allowed to go about their business on a daily basis without any kind of Orwellian surveillance. Um... And, you know, you have 300, 315 million or close to 320 million people now in this nation. Um, the idea that there isn't going to be a certain percentage of residents you know, without the proper permission, no matter where they're from, and that includes, you know, there's a certain amount of Canadians who are here illegally working, people from Europe, but not just Latin America. I think sometimes people simply break it down or, or want to reduce it to the Latin American world of immigrants here uh, illegally. But there are people here from everywhere who, who probably, you know, have overstayed their welcome or, you know, have not quite taken the appropriate steps to stay longer. Um, well, and, you and know, again, once you just get this down to a personal level, it becomes extraordinarily complicated. Right. And, and, and I think that leads into some of the discussion that about it being a racial issue, too. I mean, and I think that's a point that that you kind of just made here. And again, you know, we're trying to stick to 10 minutes here, so yeah. we're going to have to move on. But um, yeah. those two points I'd like to make. Sure. You know, you talk about people here from from Latin America or from other places. Melania Trump might be an example. I don't know. Um, I think Eastern Europeans are considered, you know, it's 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 obviously considered differently. I think more more white Americans would consider those people undocumented or overstaying their visas than they would um, somebody from Mexico or Belize or uh, Honduras or something like that. Um, and I think it takes on a different connotation and it, it almost becomes a racial issue. Um, as, as you know, there was racial profiling here in Arizona where they would only stop people who they thought looked Hispanic instead of trying to check, um, you know, somebody who might be a German who's overstaying their visa wouldn't have gotten pulled over and swept up. Um, right. And, you know, that was the 2010 law that I know just was a disaster uh, for Arizona on a PR level and, and in many other ways. Right. Oh, and, and, and the last point I want to make is we kind of glossed over it a little bit. There is somewhat of a debate on, on whether there's a net gain or a net loss on illegal immigration and taxes. So I, I just want to make that clear. It's still kind of lost. We know that they, they are paying billions of dollars in taxes. Some yeah. say that there's, there's an additional, you know, anywhere between 20 to 100 billion of additional tax services um, or other things that they get out of it, either deducting things on their taxes or, or other, other federal programs or state programs, um, uh, health care, that, that's, that's paid out. Again, that's negligible. It's never been 
um, exactly determined because it's hard to do when these people are operating in kind of the gray area and shadows. So I just want to make that clear so that we're not just kind of deriding the issue. There is debate on whether there's a net gain or net loss on on uh, taxes and undocumented in, uh, immigrants. Right. Um, do we want to move on to the next one there and then, Karen? Um, point number two. And we know this from from real clear, uh, again, being down in Sierra Vista, being in Cochise County, uh, we got calls all the time and we would go out there. And I know you've seen it. I've seen it. Um, fields full of trash because people are reach a staging area and they need to dump stuff to get into well, we, trucks we, or cars. We, uh, or... It was 2003 when Jim Colby was the congressional representative. And the movement, this militant type movement, was building. It was a group that had dumped a bunch of trash in front of his one of his congressional offices to protest this. Um, so, you know, obviously the public frustration is starting to grow. Even, you know, to me, it's symbolic of the entire problem dealing with undocumented uh, immigrants. In, in terms of just this one little problem within a greater situation that could not easily be fixed. Yeah, I uh, from the you know, and obviously this is from the state of Arizona, and and so you know, uh, you take it with a grain of salt. Um, they say along Arizona's three hundred and seventy mile border. Um, that they estimate that it's 2,000 tons of trash um, is discarded annually in the borderlands, um, including, uh, and then it's the responsibility of federal, state government, um, Native American tribes, and the private landowners in order to clean it up. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I mean, no like that somebody's littering along anybody's property. That's you know, yeah, that's it's not something no one could control. But again, it happens. And until somebody comes with a foolproof way, I suppose, to stop people from dumping trash, no matter who they may be, uh, I I just find that, and I'm, I'm not talking about what you're saying, just the argument somehow that that's just, oh, something else that uh, undocumented people do to be, uh, again, just a simplification of what's going on here. I mean, if somebody's caught, they're, you know, they're trying to cross illegally and they're littering fine. I mean, they should be caught and punished to the extent of the law. Now, again, you've been to some of these sites, right? Yes. And and so that we can, you know, kind of clarify for our for anybody who might be listening up in the Midwest or in the East Coast um, where they, 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 they haven't seen these sort of things. And even people right. living in the larger metros who don't go to the border. Um, it's mainly clothes, it's mainly water bottles, it's mainly, uh, to go food packages, uh, that's, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's what they're trying to take with them. Right. And then when they, you know, incredibly harsh track. Right. So they, sure. and, and, and as most people either know or don't know, a lot of the, crossing happens on foot these days right mm -hmm. so they're walking from some point south of the border they they can as long as they can carry it themselves they they can take it usually north right and then they get to a yeah. staging area where they're going to get picked up because there's no walking once you get to the you know a mile or two north of the border you're, you're mm -hmm. going to get picked up if you're walking for the most part. They try to now stage, they stage people in a certain, in an arroyo, in a hidden hillside somewhere. And then the car comes and picks them up there. And that's usually where the trash comes from, right? Because then they're told anything that you can't fit, because you're going to go into this trunk for 20, mile, to, for 20 plus miles. You can't take your bag. You can't take this extra water. You got to dump it or drink it. You can't take all this extra stuff. They sit there. Maybe sometimes they're there for a day waiting for their ride. 
and that's what it ends up being. So they're waiting for a day, they're drinking all their water, they're eating all their food, and then if even if they get there, they can't take anything additional. And and that's what we've seen when we've been there. And is is that is that right for for what you've seen and what you've been exposed well, to? Well, I'm living because of course the the California situation with undocumented people coming over, you know, because that border has been a little better enforced and 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 it's you know kind of there's only a few real entry points anymore, which is why, as we know. You know, from the 80s on, immigration started moving to other border states like Arizona right. and Texas or New Mexico to a lesser degree. Um, border trash is not so much the problem from what I understand it. Uh, it it's just more there are other type of pollution problems regarding, you know, the border city of Tijuana. Uh, and, of course, there are just other types of social problems. That have nothing to do with littering, uh, as we know, cartel violence, uh, and and some other and other issues that spring from that. Um, so again, the focus here with the California has not been so much the border trash. It is simply that there's there's just too much access for those who wish to commit narco crimes to get into the, the California and do it. So that it's another issue, and it is definitely a though two thousand tons, and they say it's forty eight to forty nine dollars a ton. I think is the huh. um, yeah. Again, nobody likes seeing the desert trash. It's terrible, yeah, th- it's, and and it's. Uh, but I suppose when it's desperate and it's crossing illegally into a country, I, I, I can honestly say I, I don't think it's on their minds just to uh, make sure they're not dropping anything. <laughs> um, and there's you know, no choice, that, that you know. Need or, or that they're, you know, that they don't care about. So Yeah, and there's no choice at that point. I mean, political issue, obviously, for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, I think it happens in different areas, too. It, it happens anywhere where there's large staging areas and people are crossing. And, of course, like sure. you said, it's it's just a different kind of dynamic i mean you got you got the sand dunes a little bit in southern california and then um you just Mm -hmm. have more trafficked areas uh it's it's a little bit easier because it's so remote and uh in arizona and maybe we should have you know taken our next point and let's just kind of move on to our next point um and i think we're going to move this up because now that i'm looking at it we probably should have um had this discussion before we even got to the mess um, but maybe we can kind of throw no, it into I it. I understand, John. But it's um, it's that whether a wall will work and is feasible. Uh, I'll let you take a go at that first, if you'd like. Well, obviously Donald Trump is you know, still part of this parent campaign, although I think if we've noticed lately, he's not talking about it very much anymore. Uh, about building a huge wall. Uh, well, I thought that was the United- one thing that he's still saying he's going to do. Well, but I, I think kind of the rhetoric has, as I say, his, it's part of the pivot. Uh, you know, he started showing what seems to be some compassion towards those coming here uh, illegally. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think most, most experts, uh, and even some who are conservative, saying it's just ludicrous to think that Mexico is going to pay for this, uh, you know, thousand-mile wall. And that it's just not workable. And, and, you know, you've heard the old expression. You build a 50-foot wall, someone's going to come up with a 51-foot ladder. Right. There will always be those who will find ways to pass through. And even in, even in a society like North Korea, as oppressive and, and heavily guarded as it is, you hear all the time of North Koreans desperate to get into China to make a living. And somehow they manage to do it. Now, certainly at great peril. So, again, the idea in a society like ours where people are generally free to move about, uh, even a barrier like that, again, someone's going to find a way to get past it. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Sorry uh, about that, John. No, no, no. Hey, um, um, it happens. Um, it's 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 dry out here in the Southwest. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> the geography, um, I think, you know, we talk about... But also- 
Yeah. I mean, we talk about Southern Arizona and you look at some of those dramatic, you know, the only other um, wall that was built over such extent um, what is is the Great Wall of China. Okay. We, we know that, um, you know, what they've done in Israel is kind of crazy when you look at some of those, you know, um, and that has been not without great political cost as well as violence. And, you know, I, it, many people would say has really done nothing to solve the overall issues between, uh, you know, the Palestinian state and the Israeli government. Right. And, and, and whether it's, you know, it's also done in re- relatively flat areas. Um, and so that becomes like part of the discussion, I think, is you see those dramatic pictures of the great wall of China and it's kind of over these rolling Hills a little bit too. And they built it out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was built over several centuries. Um, it effectively did not keep the Manchus out, which is what it was designed for in the first place. So it was kind of like this hugely failed policy, but then it's just the difference in geography that we have here. And as we know about, you know, taking for an example, what we saw in Cochise County, you have two very large geographic, um, um, you know, points there that 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 make it difficult, which is the San Pedro River and the Huachuca Mountains. Just in that area, let alone anywhere else, um, you can't build a wall to go over the Huachucas. You just can't do it. That's, that, that is, as you said, geographically impossible. Um, you know, and the and the mountain itself isn't isn't isn't. Uh, a, a, a deterrent um, as we know that every spring what would happen in, in we'd have in our newspaper every spring you, they'd find frozen people up on the yeah. Wajukas that yeah. nobody saw them over the winter because they went up there and tried to cross somewhere at night the, froze to death and died and they got snowed on and then the somebody right. found them in the spring um, you know you have people willing to take those kinds of gambles Um to come somewhere, um, you're not going to stop them. Uh, to me, with a wall, um, you're going. They're going to find other ways to to leave Mexico or Honduras or wherever, El Salvador, Guatemala. Um, they want to come to the United States. They're going to get here. That's right. Um, I, you know, I I totally agree. Which is just why again Trump's proposal is, you know, to me, and I I think to a lot of people it's just more than red meat to throw at his face. Um, and I, I frankly think as, it, as, we, as we head more towards the general election, he's probably going to be talking less about it. Uh, and, even, and if he becomes president, you know, certainly uh, is, is not going to look him without building a wall and certainly not playing. So just look you know, some of the stuff that we had or some of the data that we pulled up here, um, what does it say? Um, with a border length of 1,954 miles, <laughs> Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. there's 600 or so miles of existing border barrier, which we know are those corrugated fences for the most part. Right. But they would all probably have to go um, because it wouldn't work. Um, it there, would be... Yeah. There would just be factors here. Uh, and for example, you mentioned the Wachukas. I believe it's not a federal... Uh, it's, it's either federal land or part of it is a state through one of the park systems. Mm-hmm. It's the bureaucracy itself, no matter what Trump claims or anyone else for that matter, and, and the rules surrounding some of these areas that are fragile would, environmentally would make it just incredibly different, difficult to, to build some massive structure there. You know, and, you know, I have heard and, and as we've seen, um, there's different rules along the border and they could they could just wipe away all those environmental protections because of other laws right. which are already be passed on how they can enforce the border. As you know, your constitutional rights are basically waived inside the border zone. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that, that I think regular people don't understand. I mean, um, they were also talking about extending the border zone. Um, I think right now it's 40 miles, right? And 
They want to make it 100 or 80, something like that. They want to double it, and it kind of goes into Tucson, which kind of gets people a little scared. Um, but just the, 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 the dynamics of the wall. Um, 12,600,000 cubic yards of concrete based upon mm-hmm. a, um, yeah. on the, on the 1,954-mile wall. And that's three times the amount of concrete used to build the Hoover Dam. Um, greater volume, a greater volume of concrete than all six pyramids of the Giza necropolis in, in Egypt. Um, it, you know, it's just the numbers. Um, let's say uh, the the rebar to enforce the concrete wall um, would be about three percent of the total wall size, but it would be five billion pounds of steel, and it says it's about f- more than four. Nimitz class aircraft carriers would have to be melted down the equivalent in order to to just do the support of the wall. Um, again, tremendous logistical uh, situations, as we know, um, not a real there's not very many steel factories close to the border, so it all would have to be shipped to um, even if you're going to get it. Um, a lot of steel to get all that additional steel and from from other responsibilities we have we also know that some of that would probably have to come from china to begin with so absolutely that's right uh, or another country that produces a lot of steel so there would be a slight contradiction in uh in trump's plan i think you know and 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 we can get to anecdotally because we didn't really do at least i didn't do any of this research but as we know, even the what you want to call a porous border has to do somewhat, and we've seen this in the past with 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 uh, uh, indictments of border patrol officers. But the system that that's there now is pretty darn effective, and usually people who are getting through and getting through regularly are doing so because they've they've found a way to get some border patrol personnel to allow it to happen. And you'd have the well, same situation course. no matter how big your wall is. Um, unless you're paying these Border Patrol agents a million dollars a year, what's their incentive to not take a $20,000 bribe? Again, it, it gets down to the human element. And there is no wall, no science, no study, no thing that can predict how people are going to behave, nor guarantee they're not going to behave in an unethical manner. Uh, be they somebody in an immigration position or somebody desperate to come to this country to have a better life. Okay, um, let's go to point number, let's see, I think we're on point one, two, three, four. Point four. Cheap food. Yeah, do we understand really what it would mean to just do regular Americans understand what it would mean to their pocketbook if they didn't have people willing to work for less than minimum wage? And those are typically illegal immigrants because they have no bargaining chip or they have no one to go complain to when they're going to make, you know, $3 an hour. Yes, right. And unfortunately, they're exploited heavily for that. So there's, there's a certain amount of, you know, misery that comes from that. They obviously have no rights as a citizen and therefore can't do anything about it. You know, it is a really vicious circle. Um, you know, it's interesting, about 20 years ago, the, the trend, meat, meat packing, which used to be one of the highest paid industrial jobs uh, there was in this country, the, the, the type of people being brought into work there were more and more people who were not here legally in this country. Meatpacking companies realized, oh, we can go ahead and get a bunch of people from Central America or Mexico and come up here, pay them far less, um, and uh, no more no more unions. So it's interesting that these companies, you know, they knew darn well that these people weren't here legally but had no problem with bringing them up all the way to the Midwest to, to take, you know, taking jobs away from people who were here Legally, and we're paid far more. Um, you know, it, it, and, and you know, I don't know how much that really has affected the, the price of a lot of meat, but to me, that's just a, a fascinating phenomenon. 
Yeah, um, you know, some of the um, you know data we collected before this in order to throw into it was from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, which is not known as mm-hmm. as being you know a, a pro immigration or anything like that. They're really trying oh, to it actually. Is not. Uh, right. But but, not. but some of their statistics are, are, are good to refer to, especially when they kind of make um, a point. Um, I think they were saying, or I, I, I know from reading this release here, uh, authorized workers are observed to be willing to accept wages that are 18% higher than authorized workers. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Major crops like corn, soybean, other cash grains would experience on an average a 12% decrease in net farm income um, because they would have a, uh, a 6 to 10% average wage increase would, would, would come along with it. Uh, fruit, nuts, and vegetable sector um, would be the same way. Uh, a farm income would decrease by 12%. And as we know, that's what they say. But would income really decrease or would our costs go up? Would like consumer cost? Wouldn't they just pass that along to consumers? Right. In the short term, maybe some companies would be be forced to pay their workers more uh, to do this job, which most people say is is good. But again, as you're you're right, John, that would be passed right on to the consumer. So, uh, you know, to a lot of people who are so opposed to people being here illegally. I say fine, but unless you're prepared to be paying considerably more for the, the produce you buy at a supermarket uh, and for a lot of other services, including your meals out, this is this is that shall we say uh, un, unauthorized social contract. That people are here illegally; they're working jobs. Most Americans won't. Yes, they're paid less, but that means for the consumer. That is the way that the consumer can afford the things he or she buys. And that's that trade-off. That I, I don't think either, certainly politicians, either Republican or Democratic, and I think just a lot of Americans themselves aren't really prepared to you know, answer those tougher questions. Now, you mentioned the meatpacking plants. We'd have the mm-hmm. same. We we'd have the same sort of 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 impact. Um, it would have the same sort of impact on that. Now, I I, you know, I think it's it's a for proponents of immigration policy are not shutting off the border, um, and allowing um, immigration to continue from Central Latin America. Um, you know, no one, I don't think, is saying it's great that people get exploited or that they can't live here. And But most of those people that work in farms, as we know, aren't aren't people that stay here. It's a different kind of situation. Usually they're migrant, um, as we know from, you know, the old days, from, from the Cesar Chavez days, the people that come across, work on farms, and then go back home and work on the farms there. Um, it's a different kind of, of, of impact. But then we talk about different things. Um, in other jobs where um, it's the guys that work at the car wash, it's the guys that, uh, um, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to necessarily say guys and throw them all into the male category, although we know that a lot more men come across here illegally and work in jobs and then go back home. They leave their wives and girlfriends right. and families back in Mexico or Honduras or wherever for a while, and then they go back. Um, but it, it's, it's more than farms, and, you know, it's hard to find any studies that really – look at it any other way because of course there's nobody um that's undocumented that's working at your favorite restaurant haha right i mean <laughs> no never um but the, it's 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 a lot more of a difficult thing to quantify and we hadn't you know and just in spending an hour or so trying to do our, our 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 due diligence research before we did the five points i wasn't able to find any studies that actually looked at it the other way and we know that there's lots of people working in food service uh, working in landscaping, um, working in other manual labor jobs in metropolitan areas, which are the other large um, um, part of that workforce, construction um, in different areas, what the cost of buildings would be. Um, some of that, some of those studies aren't there because those industries just don't want to pay attention to it. Well, exactly, and, and the third big elephant in the room here is that 
again, there's a saying, and you, you may have heard it, we don't have an illegal immigration problem. We have an illegal employer problem. Uh. With numerous companies, multinationals or small businesses, they know they're hiring people who aren't here legally. Right. They don't mind that. Now, I'm not saying that that's inherently evil in itself, but again, as long it, it just boils down to this, as long as there's a company that's willing to do that, people will come. Uh, it's that simple. It's why when the, we had the serious recession in 2008, when the economy really collapsed towards the end of the year, immigration started declining dramatically because, as we know, a lot of companies were hurting and they were not hiring. Um, so it, it just it boils down to that. And you know, the truth be told... I think it's safe to say a lot of companies really don't want a lot of serious reforms uh, of our immigration policy because that's going to hurt, in the short term, I think at least, their bottom line. Now, I don't know whether you were still in Arizona or you had, um, you know, heard about it in the news or, or how much you know about it, but, you know, there was a a worker uh, identification um, program that was started here um, in Arizona um, mm-hmm. so that you're supposed to run everybody through a system to make sure that they were really who they said they were so that you couldn't have any um, um, undocumented I- immigrants working in the state. Um, and it's been adopted um, sparingly. But mm-hmm. it leads to um, what, and and that was called E-Verify, by the way. Um, and it leads me to the other um, example and what I asked, um, you know, we, we already talked about Representative Colby, former Representative Colby. Um, yeah. And uh, we had that discussion one day, um, you know, obviously it was, a, it was, you know, tied into the Herald and we went down and met him in his office and I threw at him what always was somewhat of the answer. We talk about the wall and all these other ways that we can keep people out. But as you alluded to, it's more about the jobs that people who are undocumented are still able to get more about the personal stories that I, that I shared about realizing that I knew these people that were part of the system and as American as you or I, but then I realized they really weren't. Um, Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, they're still as, as American as I were, but they weren't documented. You know, they weren't like me. Or, you know, if someone would check my status, they couldn't throw me out. They'd probably find other reasons they'd want to throw me out. But not for that. I was actually, you know, I'm, my, you know, my papers are clean. Um, so I, I threw out to Colby doing something like that. Uh, having some sort of e-verify system or having a real national ID card. Something that's totally verifiable. Um that has to be renewed. Um, it's probably a lot cheaper. Um, it's probably a lot easier to, to maintain, um, over time. Um, because you know, everyone can get it if you really are concerned and you know, he just dismissed it offhand just right away, just because he's like, you know, obviously Colby was a Republican. They don't like the idea of everyone having to have their papers, which is sort of what I was getting to in the beginning. Um, if you really want to have this is money, corporations that secretly love illegal immigrants. Exactly. You know, in a story. And I'm not to say the Democrats don't, you know, have a different way of, shall we say, exploiting the undocumented immigrant uh, issue. But again, it, it's always amusing to listen to people who are part of a party raging on about illegals when their party happily works with companies that buy it. <laughs> Another very large contradiction that no one seems to be, you know, able to fully explain. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think the point I wanted to bring up, too, is that solutions okay. extend beyond a border wall. Like, you, right. there's, there's ways if, I mean, we're in a, this modern society that has all this technological stuff, and you're telling me that there's no way to make it so that there's, there's not a way to uh, stop people who are undocumented or who whose visas have lapsed, even if you're from Czechoslovakia, um, right. to you know to actually be able to work, um, and that everyone has to have their card. Now, is it a little big brothery? Sure, but if that's what you're concerned about, um, 
you're going to get, if you're really going to try to crack it down in any other way, everything is going to get big brothery and creepy. I mean, a deportation. Absolutely. That will be the trade-off. And for people constantly railing about big government, again, it's a wee bit hypocritical to do that and then say, okay, we have to really crack down on illegals here. Well, guess what that's going to involve? That's going to involve a lot of, quote-unquote, big government. There's, you know, there's no other way to do it. If, if anybody thinks honestly, and I'm, I'm not saying some corporations would not comply and cooperate, I'm sure many would, but there will be many who will not. And then who's going to enforce that? Who's going to make them? Well, the last time I checked, the government. So, again, just the political contradictions here and the hypocrisies, I, you know, you can, you can drive trucks through them because they're huge. Yeah, it'd be a lot cheaper to do a national ID card than to build a wall. Europe, I mean, and even with that system, as we know, is not foolproof. But that's what many European nations have, national ID cards. In, in lieu of, well, they also have driver's licenses. But that's your card to say, this is who I am. You know, I'm from England, I'm from the Netherlands, or Spain, or Bulgaria, or where have you. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I'm going to throw a little yeah. personal aside, okay? Right. Um, and, and, and we can kind of, you know, throw this into... The rest of the discussion we're, that we're having, I, I love classic things, uh, mm-hmm. classic television shows, classic movies, right? So sure. uh, lately, I've been watching the Rockford Files on Netflix because I'm an old crusty <laughs> guy. Okay, Jimbo. so so right, hey Jimbo, but um, <laughs> they, he was talking about an insurance scam that they were running. That's his, the, the you know the case that was in it. Um, and they were taking people's birth certificates, people of, of children who had died, and then they were going and getting uh, driver's licenses so they can run the insurance scam. And I'm watching this right in Rockford Files yesterday going, they still haven't closed that loophole. I mean, they made this Rockford Files in like 1974. <laughs> Again, this is a, an issue that is, you know, dates back, as we know, far in, into the last century because just of the nature of the American economy and so many other dynamics. All right, let's, um, let's, let's move on from the can you stop it and do you really want it to happen, um, which is, I think was point number three. Um, can you stop in your, uh, undocumented from coming and do you really want to because you'll pay more? Um, I think the, you know, the last one, five, you know, point number five is... Uh, the difference in looking at the situation, um, how we deal with it here. Um, I think initially we had talked about presidents and other policymakers who, who, right. who, who really kind of had a applicable um, and a, a you know a, and, a, and an approach that was somewhat um, achievable, and others that kind of lived in, in 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 fantasy lands or did things which which are either unpalatable or impossible. Um, right. And right. I think no, the I mean, stuff we have right now is like, and, you know, just taking their families apart and, uh, you know, just the, the, the attempt of that would be a disaster. I, I don't think we've seen in terms of domestic policy in this country. Uh, it, it's just it's it's not realistic. And even again, a certain amount of conservative and people like Jeb Bush, who ran for president last year, said you can't do that. Uh, it, it's wrong on so many levels. And again, Jeb Bush is no liberal. Uh, however, because he is married to a Mexican-American, Colombo, you know, obviously, again, you get that personal understanding. Um, and if I may, I, to his brother's credit, George W. Bush had a very solid proposal for dealing with undocumented immigrants. If we recall, in, in starting in 2004, he was proposing. Uh, it's his own party that really threw him under the bus on that. And I think, frankly, if they had taken some action and passed that, I think the GOP would be probably be in much better shape with Latino voters overall in this country. So politically for them, that was just an incredible wonder. Yeah, we've, uh, we know what the former guard, everyone talks about Reagan. I guess that's the one thing yeah. that... That really tr- bill and, and giving amnesty to about three million who who were given that and and I mean, it, there's a story behind that in terms of it was a good thing to get people out of the shadows 
and allow them to be fully part of American society. But again, going back to the corporate angle, the Chamber of Commerce didn't like it, and neither did a lot of businesses because all of a sudden, oh, what, we have to really verify these people? You know, that becomes a challenge. And then, of course, it led to the explosion bogus uh, social security cards, driver's licenses, things like that. So like any major policy, there was the good and the unintended consequences. But most would say what Ronald Reagan did along with the Congress at that time was the right thing to do. But it was not without certain hardships. And it couldn't have been. And it goes back to, you know, it even comes into what we made in our point four here. Okay, so it's the 19, Ronald Reagan, let's, let's, let's kind of go back because that was the last time we mm-hmm. had any sort of significant movement on immigration besides the stuff that Bush, um, uh, George W. Bush and Obama have been and, doing, and, which are basically... George Herbert Walker, who also extended opportunities. Right, but it's, it's you know, since 86... It basically mm-hmm. has been the pro the 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 policy of the United States um, to try to keep people out as best as they can. Right. Um, don't you know? Amnesty has become a a, a four letter word, um, and they try to throw out criminals, people who have been convicted of crimes or who are, go into the legal system. They get they they you know f- that's 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 uh, those are the number one people. They move to the front of the line to getting deported. Okay, that's been the policy. Before that, you know, it's very, we had the last time that it was actually addressed was the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, right? That's the Reagan hallmark. That's the thing that gave amnesty to 3 million, right? Um, Gave amnesty to those people. And so, and it was a, the Simpson-Mazzoli immigration bill, right? Alan Simpson. Yes. And so... There was three promises that were put in there that people think that weren't delivered on. Um, that the government would make a concerted effort to control the borders, which they feel like they haven't. Although, from being there, we know that they've done a lot of different things. And if you go down there, the largest, one of the largest employers is always Border Patrol. Um, Absolutely. Lar- I mean, there's no question. Border Security has been beefed up massively in the last 30 years. Yeah, I mean, as you know, you drive by Border Patrol headquarters... Uh, if you're taking the eight to uh, to, uh, to to San Diego, um, the biggest thing you see between Yuma and San Diego is the Border Patrol headquarters. If you go if you go to Cochise County, the biggest thing you'll see in that area past the 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 Army base is the Border Patrol headquarters. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of vehicles and people every day. I mean, it's it's yep. it, it's it's very extensive. It's not one guy in a pickup truck. Okay. For anybody who hasn't been there, I mean, in the words of Donald Trump, the operations are huge. Um, That's right. Anyway, uh, control the borders. Number two, effective employer verification program and ensure that only illegal workers were hired. Never done. We talk about the 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 national ID card or some sort of right. e-verify. Um, and three, one-time amnesty would be granted for people. Um, on that same idea, if you haven't made promises, you haven't gotten through to promises one and two, that they would actually control the border, um, actually implement an employer verification program, do you think you not have to go back to some sort of amnesty again just to legalize some of these people that are here? That is, and in part, in part that's what George W. Bush and Barack Obama have been proposing. Now, again, that would be, yes, you're going to get a chance to be a citizen. Now, that, even, that does seem some people have to go to the home country, dump through some hooks, pay fines. Now, this, again, this is the radical argument for it. And, and take their care and then have that chance to come back here and start the process of becoming a citizen. They would be terribly citizens, provided they've done nothing wrong. Um, and, you know, it just it seemed like at the time the more sensible way to deal with people here uh, illegally. I, I think, again, just back politically from Trump and some other people in the past and, and made that proposal just 
unthinkable now, even though I, I believe that probably in the next 10 years, I'm the president is, uh, and if they were in the middle of public, Trump, you'd probably see that happen. Now, I think if Clinton, there might be a different Democratic Congress with some Republicans, that we get closer to that reality. Hey, Karen, you kind of cut out um, there. Can you try um, to restate I, that? I, I, excuse me, do you want me to repeat what I said? I just said that I think if this comes we might just, the proposals of W. Bush and Obama become reality or at the version of them. With Trump, I think that would be impossible to be But Or if it were the president, perhaps, uh, there may be a the push to get people working up to the status start street in the immigration process and and just have for common sense here that works more people. But again, you know, only time to tell. All right, let's um, go to our next little little tidbit yeah. here within the um, Okay. Uh, this, this this idea of what's been done in the past. Um, yeah. We had the Bracero program. Sort of, if, if you will, I think it's fair to say the modern immigration system really started uh, in the, the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s. Uh, there was a program to allow so many people from Latin America to come here and work on farms, even though they, they technically were not legal. And they had they had some type of visa or, or other type of, uh, you know, documentation that allowed them to do that. And, and I, I think that worked reasonably well. Um, now, you know, this was when the American economy was still warring, and you just had, you just had completely different dynamics, I suppose, in this country in terms of its demographics as as well um but you know from like after 64 when that program ended and you started having uh, then people coming in illegally sort of quote-unquote the old-fashioned way that i think that that just started that build up to the mid-80s and then we had reagan working with congress on the simpson mazzoli bill and and i'm really i'm you know generalizing that quite a bit yeah you know we in, 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 in just looking up about, you know, what exactly happened and what's gone on mm-hmm. as far as immigration here. Um, right. You know, we know that it was basically an open border up until World War II. Um, oh, absolutely. Yes, it was. And I've heard that from people who were old enough, having lived on border states, be they, uh, no matter what the background, if they were Americans or Mexican nationals with a lot of close ties or family in the states, just saying, you could come and go as you please. You know, if you had a job here, you did it. You went back to Tijuana or, or uh, you know, Gallops or wherever. And there, or you decided to live, you know. Um, you decided to relocate to, you know, to, to Tucson or Phoenix, and all depended on what you could contribute and, and what kind of money you would make. Um, precisely. And, and, it, and it seems like um, it was actually, you know, and, and, you know, there's been some discussion about, the bleeding of of qualified dedicated people like you know people who are willing to say i'm not happy um living in because you know there's no doubt right now that there's not as much opportunity in mexico as there is no unfortunately and we use mexico as we use mexico as an example but you know you can say the same thing about any other country in latin america Uh, opportunity isn't there as much you know, you don't you know, have as much. So many talented, hardworking people in those countries, and there, there certainly are. Right, and that's and that was part of the original um, argument, I guess. Even you know, because it was it wasn't just a U.S. thing. It it kind of started with, um, you know, and why I kind of referred to Mexico is because it was, uh, I guess, President Porfirio Diaz, who mm-hmm. was worried that they didn't have, you know, that they were losing their largest asset, which was abundant cheap labor um and in order for them to modernize their economy um right. and so that was part of 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 the of of the approach a lot of 
you know, of 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 the Mexican uh, um, you know government officials didn't want large scale immigration to the United States because they thought it robbed from the from the value of their own country. Right. Um. And so then it became you know that kind of I think that whole idea was was smoldering, um, and then you had you know the. Uh, the, you know, World War Two became there became a little bit more of a of an importance of, you know, placed on the border. But as we know, there was so little here at the time that it wasn't very easy for, say, some German or or Japanese guy who wanted to maybe come immigrate. They wouldn't come here. They would they you know, the one the Germans that came here were dropped on boats over in Long Island. I think that's where they came in or Massachusetts. Um, somewhere right. in New England is where they tried to infiltrate. Um, in Canada, I think a few of them came through Canada. Um, you, may, yeah. you, you might have had some Japanese get dropped off in California somewhere, but they weren't coming through Mexico. But there was still an idea that you have people there. Um, but it's very difficult. As you know, one of the largest German POW camps was in was in Phoenix here, which became the Phoenix Zoo. Um, they used to like to take those Germans and put them out in the middle of the desert. It was a, it was a good idea for them. Wow, yeah. No, I heard of that. That's that's a, you know interesting and I think generally unknown part of our um, you know World War II history in this country. Um but then you know after 42 um there was a you know a a different idea I think. Um it became the idea by by 54 to to do what's now called um Operation Wetback which obviously is is now considered um, a derogatory term, which before right. it was an actual little operation. Um, right. But it was done alongside the Mexican government, and I think that's, that is an yeah. important point to make. Um, they wanted some of these people back because, again, they, you know, it, was, it was considered different. I think that there's not, you know, the amount of population increase has changed um, in Mexico, and I don't think they're so, they're so interested in that as they used to. Um, but some of the stats that we have here, command teams of 12 Border Patrol agents with buses, planes, and temporary processing stations. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 750 Immigration Border Patrol officers, 300 Jeeps um, on quick processing and deportation. They made planes available to coordinate ground efforts. Um, those deported were literally handed off to Mexican officials who in turn deported them into central Mexico um, because there were supposedly labor opportunities at the time. Um, there was some um, uh, deportation actions in L.A., San Francisco, and Chicago, but the main targets were border areas in Texas and California. Um, right. There was a, over a million apprehensions made in the first year and 170,000 were rounded up between May and July of 1954 alone. Um, they say that over half a million in Texas just left on their own because they didn't want to get rounded up. Um, they only had 242,000 apprehensions in 1955, um, and it would continuously decline um, until 1962. Um, some of the things here that I think are interesting, which I don't know if we remember. Uh, according to, let's see, who is this from? A book written by May Nagai uh, from Princeton University Press in 2004. Um, 88 people died in July 1955. Um, Mexican government failed to send them further on into Mexico, and they were held in 112 degree temperatures without any water. Oh my goodness! Um, so when you are moving millions of people, I think is the important point. We're going to have probably humanitarian issues like that. Um, I don't think right. we can we can guess well, of course. that you're going to round up 11 million people. Some amount of people are going to die in this. I, I mean. That's just my take on it. And that, just, that will, you know, that would be the case, right? Um, you know, you're going to have people that get forgotten in a truck. You know, again, forgetting the whole idea that it's logistically, nearly logistically impossible to get a temporary deportation force set up. What are you going to do right. with everybody else? 
Um, and then how fast you get them together. Um, I know some of the ideas self-deportation, just like this idea here. And you sort of can't I, uh, argue that point where people don't want to stay in Arizona anymore. A lot of people that aren't, that were illegal, didn't want to stay in Arizona anymore. And rightly so. Um, it became a difficult thing, I think. And so they just said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to California. I'm going somewhere else. But it's also the deal of a national program. I don't know how many that would take out. And how do you stay in a, in a, in a deportation force um, when you don't have the, the um, uh, cooperation of the Mexican government? As you know, and some of the stuff we covered when we were at the Herald, was this, the flights. And it's always a problem. Where do you take um, people that you round up? And what do you do with them? You can't. Where is Mexico going to bring them? Even in the in the in Operation, let's call it Operation WB because I don't really enjoy saying wetback. Um, Correct. If you say Operation WB, um, the Mexican government agreed, worked with the U.S. government, and then tried to find labor opportunities for them within the country. And as we know, the biggest labor opportunity in Mexico right now is the illegal drug trade, for the most part. Um, there hasn't been an expansion. If you have a farm, there's not, not a lot of stuff coming out. I mean, you don't need any additional workers right now. As far as I know, they don't need people like they did back in the, you know, from, from 1900 to 1950. It's not well, that same dynamic. With Mexico, there was a boom period after NAFTA in the 90s, because you may have heard about Americans heading down there for work opportunities. Mm-hmm. And the, but then, you know, after the peso crashed, in like 94, 95, then all of a sudden Mexico's economy regressed quite a bit and, you know, just adding to other problems, economically and socially. So that was sort of the last time the country had, you know, a little more shared prosperity. And as we, as a team, that just hasn't been repeated as much as anybody would like to see it, you know. Uh, our five points have been made. Yeah. We declare the five points closed for today. Clump, clump. I think so. The judge puts his gavel down. Well, the five points are closed. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. And uh, leave some comments. Uh, get in touch with us if you have any, uh, uh, your two cents that you want to pitch into our conversation. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you very much to everyone. Have a good day.